Hello everyone and welcome to another instalment, the second instalment of District's discussion. I'm delighted to be joined by Ryan and we're here today to talk about, first of all, the Leeds game. Um, you know, obviously an unbelievable result for Manchester United. Um, and then looking ahead to Southampton and sort of the rest of the transfer window. So we'll start with Leeds, obviously. Um, an unbelievable performance. Manchester United obviously romped to a 5-1 victory at Old Trafford. You know, Leeds did look very lacklustre. I think that was a credit to the way Oli set the team up. We've seen it before against Bielsa. He's done it very well. He knows how to play against that sort of intense pressure that, that, that Leeds play with. Um, and we cut right through them again. Ryan, what do you think of the performance in sort of a general sense? Because obviously, you know, I think, I think we're all on the same wavelength and it was a really impressive sort of start for Manchester United. Well, first off, I got it wrong last week. I predicted a, a draw, I think 2-2. Two, two. Um, so credit to Ali and his staff for getting the players ready. Um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect and was very pleasantly surprised. Um, hopefully the atmosphere played a little bit of a part and we can look forward to that as the season goes on. But very happy. Yeah, no, it was excellent. I must say I was in the Stratford end and the, the atmosphere was incredible. Um, I think, you know, it was set set off to a great start with the sort of announcement of Rafa Varane coming out of the tunnel at the beginning. Just to ask you quickly what you sort of made of that announcement and the timing of it. Did you think it was a sort of a masterstroke from from the staff at United to sort of get him out and lift the crowd before the game? Yeah, I mean, anything you can do to get the crowd even behind you even more, like, that plays a factor. I think players have all mentioned that, um, you know, we as fans, we like to think, oh, that doesn't matter. It's just what you do on the pitch. But there are psychological aspects they do play an impact. Um, and so any advantage you can get at the elite level, that's something you got to look to exploit. And I think Ali was one who pushed for the uh, introduction of Ron before. And so, you know, credit to him for getting that done. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me. I think, you know, Ollie's always been well-versed in understanding the fan base of Manchester United and what they want and how to get them going. And I think that's actually a real big underrated aspect of him as a manager of United is that he, he properly understands. I know you always get the people saying he gets to the club, he understands the club. But I think it's, it's the fact that he understands sort of the fans of the club, which has really sort of helped, helped us all get on board with him. Um, looking into the sort of the more details then of, of that 5-1 win, we'll start with Paul Pogba, who, you know, for me was probably the outstanding player, despite, you know, Bruno Fernandes also scoring a hat-trick. It's quite hard to believe that when a player gets a hat-trick, there's someone else who perhaps stood out more than him. Um, but Paul Pogba got four assists and was obviously you know, instrumental in all the goals. They weren't just sort of assists where he's given it to someone and they've run 40 yards from the halfway line. He played an integral role in all of his assists. They were all proper, if you like, assists. What did you make of Paul Pogba's performance? Because I thought it was absolutely magnificent and I hope he can sort of con- continue this going forward. Um, the four assists, like, I know it's only been done, what, seven times in Premier League and first from open play. So, like, literally a record-setting day. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said... Four assists for Pogba doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Like we we all know that like, he is the best player at United when he's on form. Like most talented, I think even the players will acknowledge that. What stood out to me about Pogba's performance was his work rate off the ball, like the pressing that was there, um, and I think the whole team actually was quite good uh, in that aspect. And it makes me question: Was it? Cause it wasn't like that all, all the time last year. And so was it down to fitness? Cause we did play more games than anyone else. And are these players just tired from and need that break? Or is it something that they are consciously just aware of and it's been worked on and the players are buying into. Um, and that's something that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing as the season goes on. Like, is it, is it just a fitness issue or is it a mentality issue that we had that is being corrected? 
Yeah, I think for us, I'd probably lean towards the fitness side of it because I think you know since Ollie's come in, even as a an interim, it's always been something that he's earmarked as you know one of his sort of big defining factors or what he wants with his philosophy is that he wants that high pressure and pressing and off the ball work rate. As you say, sometimes we haven't seen that. You know, I think maybe in the interim phase and and that earlier period of his of his tenure, it was more so perhaps the players. You know, the squad wasn't wasn't good enough. You know, mentally and in a fitness respect, you know, there's a lot of players there obviously no longer at the club. And I'd say now that he has got those mentalities now, it's just about keeping them fit, as you say. Um, and hopefully we can keep that intensity throughout the season because if we can, you know, we really are challenging, I think. Um, I'll ask you then about Bruno Fernandes, what you made of his performance, because obviously three goals on the open day, it's not too bad. Um, anyone who had him in fantasy football, I'm sure, was also buzzing. I think a lot of us did. Um, what do you make of Fernandes' performance? Because it was just another typical, magnificent performance from Bruno, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, movement was fantastic off the ball. Um, but again, movement without being found, what, what does that do? So credit to his teammates for finding him. But the movement and finishing were just – he looked like a nine. Like yeah, yeah. he was finishing so, so well. And he, it just reminds me of all those clips we would be watching of him playing in Portugal. Just like – and we're like, ah, can he, can he do that in the Premier League? Well, he, he just – he did. Yeah, he, and he continues to. So um, – Again, really, really exciting, but not overly surprised. Like, even, again, hat trick. We don't we don't see a lot of those in the Premier League, especially for United in recently. Um, but it still, it didn't. Those two players, like, they're just such a high level that performances like that don't really surprise me. Um, I'd say I was actually a little bit more surprised with the performance of Mason Greenwood and Victor Lindelof. Um, those were the two that. I I was really pleasantly surprised with because again it's it's all relative to expectations of that player and what what you expect from that player. Um, I like to see Mason's ability to drop deep, um, and I'm I'm a big fan of Martial. So like seeing him be able to do that, it does make me consider. Hey, like what is Tony's future? If if Mason can can drop and do this, like how much do we need Tony? Um, and so I think he's going to have a point to prove. And then Lindelof, like, I think he's made a claim to at least keep his position for this week, um, especially against Southampton. Like, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned that we need Varane in there. Um, and I know that Lindelof knows how to communicate with our defense and, and keep stuff together. And that's something I don't – that's a question mark because Varane is just learning English. And so that communication barrier could be an issue. Um, and so, like, I don't, I don't know what the the best course of action is for yeah. this one. But Lindelof made a was was incredible. Um, did a really great job. So credit where it's due. No, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know, this time last year we were having the same sort of discussions when Alex Tellers was coming into the club. You know, Luke Shaw started to ramp up his performances, and you know, everyone was saying, you know, we'd been asking for left back for so long, and as soon as we did get one through the door, you know, our current one, you know, sort of read up and started playing magnificently well. And I think. You know, this is a similar conversation, hasn't it, with Victor Lindelof, who has been, you know, lambasted by the fan base for a really long time. And, you know, to be fair, rightly so, he's had some horrible performances for United, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the air. He's looked weak, etc. You know, something that hopefully Rafa Varane won't be. And, you know, as soon as, you know, we get Varane through the door, Lindelof has an excellent performance. I must say, I completely agree with you. I'm happy that you brought him up, to be honest, because he was probably, for me, one of the, one of the best players against Leeds. And that's, you know, a credit to a centre-half in a game which we won 5-1. Obviously got mm-hmm. the assist for the Bruno volley didn't he which was an excellent pass sort of through the lines um 
which we've seen him do before, you know, not on a massively consistent basis, but we know he's got that in his locker. Much more consistent when playing on the right side of that defense than on the left. When he, yeah. when he, when Harry's out and he goes over to the left, he is, looks a fraction of the player, like passing angles aren't there. Like it's just, things are just off. Yeah. Um, but there he looked like, I think we definitely know like he needs to be playing on that right side. Mm. Um, if, if someone, so and that's a, I think that's a great thing about Veron is like if McGuire needs a break or if he's injured, like Veron has shown the ability to play on both sides of that defense. And we can keep someone like Lindelof on that right side who seems to perform a little bit better there. So um, good squad building in another way, like if we're looking at keeping Lindelof in the team as well. So yeah. No, it's great. It's great to have, isn't it? I think you know, that, that's one of the things you, you talk about adding depth for the squad. As soon as you sign a first-team player, you know whoever was in that position before gets pushed down to the squad player, don't they? So you end up building the squad depth naturally while strengthening your eleven, and I think that's what we've done so well with getting Sancho. Obviously, as you say, Greenwood's now, you know, on paper wouldn't really be in the starting eleven, but you know had a great first game again. You know he's fighting for his place now. We've got that depth and those sort of that competition for positions, if you like, that's really going to hopefully push everyone to to do better and obviously you make an interesting point about Martial is that you know Greenwood was very much playing in that what we call the Martial role sort of playing as a nine but not a, an out and out nine like you know we see Anderson Cavani with his, with his movement and runs into the box more sort of hanging around the edge of the area you know waiting for you know drills to the edge of the box you know nice little pop of the ball off nice link up and I thought yeah as you say Greenwood was brilliant as well and uh, you know must say that he took his goal excellently as well sort of one of the goal you know most celebrated goal perhaps but the one that hasn't been spoken about loads um and the fred one as well which was a nice surprise um and ollie always seems to love to have a dig at, at fred what, what did you make of mcfred in that game because i think you know the leeds game is always a game that i would say on paper somewhat tailored for them really i think that's their sort of best their best sort of uh, sort of fixture would you agree with that did you think you know that was a good game for them of course um you, you need players that are going to be able to not only physically handle that workload of running up and down the pitch but have the willingness to do so. So these are all elite level athletes. Like they can run, but having the mentality where you want to run and, and do the dirty work, like that's what Fred and McTominay do very well. Um, and I think we've seen that over, through last year and it continued through yesterday. Um, those players excel in this sort of game. Um, sometimes you just need, you don't need the flashy players if you're going to be up and down the pitch. You, you need those People are going to work hard. They'll allow your star players, Pogba, Bruno, to go and do their thing. Um, so Fred and McTominay played their role perfectly. Um, so very happy to have them as, as squad options. Um, again, do uh, are they going to be the guys that you know win the elite level games? Probably not. But a game against Leeds counts for three points, just as a game against Liverpool or City. Like three points is three points. And so you need players like that that can fill these roles. Oh, absolutely. And um, actually, I'll swap the order around because we're going to talk about Southampton first. But I think, you know, it segues nice in, into what, what you've just said there. Talking about the rest of the window, because obviously, you know, mid, midfield has been, been the main option, as we spoke about in the, in the first episode as well. What's your sort of optimism now around that? Do you think we can still get a midfielder through the door? Are you desperate for a midfielder to get through the door? Because I know sometimes recency bias can play a part and you watch us win a game 5-1 and suddenly you think it's all OK. Uh, where, where are you sort of standing on that at the moment? I think we still, when we touched on this last week, we're still missing that, that six. Um, and we have Matic who, again, right situation, probably a really good player to have. Um, if we have possession territory, he can come in and slide in and like 
he can pass the ball. He's, he's smart. Um, but he doesn't have that mobility. So we, we have options. Um, again, do it's, it's what are your expectations for United this year? If you are expecting to win the league, I think that we need a higher end defensive midfielder to come in. Uh, if, you're thinking this year is, you know, let's try to win some trophy and challenge for the league and really go at it next year, which I kind of lean to be in. If I'm looking at it in realistic sense, when I'm looking at what Chelsea are doing, what city are doing, and you expect Liverpool to be back um, stronger than last year. So like we have good competition. It's not just we've improved, but other teams are improving as well. So we can't just ignore that. Um, So that gives us options. If, if we're looking more towards a title challenge next year, I don't mind going out and buying a little bit younger player who maybe isn't as developed, but we can get a good deal on it. So we can invest a little bit more somewhere else next year. Uh, Maybe your center forward, you know, maybe a certain Norwegian would be a good fit. Um, But we have to be realistic in, you know, what we're doing with that being said, uh, we were promised loads of investment by our owners and we have been outspent by Arsenal who were laying off employees because they had no money. So, uh, and our revenue streams are much higher than what Arsenal's bringing in. They have been, and they will continue to be because we we're the biggest club in England and we are in the champions league. Like that, that brings in a lot of money. Um, and so if we're getting the excuse, uh, we don't have the money to spend, like, why don't we have the money to spend? Other teams are, are spending just fine. Yeah. Um, City are trying to spend over $100 million on two separate players. Like, Yeah, I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. I think that's no. important because I think if they go and sign Kane now for $100 million, I, I, I think, you know, that will, first of all, it'll frustrate us. It'll frustrate basically all the fans of the other top six clubs. And you just wonder if it will maybe push United to try and get one more over the line because I think, you know, that's, that is ridiculous if they manage to get that done as well. To see them sign, you know, I was watching Gary Neville talk about this the other day on the overlap, actually. I'm not sure if you watched that. Um, and he was talking about the fact that United always used to go out and buy the best player in the league, or they tried to, you know, they tried to get Alan Shearer, they tried to get Gascoigne, they went and got Rooney and Rio and whoever else. They went and got the sort of the star of that Premier League, usually like a mid-table sort of player, pick them up and bring them to United. And that's what City are doing now. If they go and get Kane and Grealish, that is exactly what City are doing. They're, they're going for sort of our approach that we had in that sort of mid-2000s and, and back to the 90s where we would just go around picking and poaching all the best players for the league. And, and City are now doing that and spending a lot of money while doing so. And it just makes you think if they do do that, as, as I was saying a minute ago, if it could push United into doing, you know, making another move. Can you see that being the case? United being sort of pushed into a corner, if you like, on it by City spending? Um... No, I, I, I wish it would be, but if I'm being honest, no. Um, you know, the, the Glazers are, you know, they have not proven to be changed. You know, they're, they're doing like some stuff for PR. Um, there's been better structure uh, in recruitment. And I think a lot of that comes down to Ollie's changing, not necessarily the Glazers aren't investing in the club. Um, we're just being a little bit smarter with how we spend the money, it seems, and, and planning a little bit better. Um, so that that helps. But again, that's not that's not coming down to the owners. That's that's Ali, 
and the people he's surrounding himself with there. So I don't see pressure from, or the Glazers don't typically give in to pressure. Like no matter what we do, like change isn't there. Um, so unfortunately I can't, I can't see that happening. You know, um, there's a kid from Monaco who I haven't really watched play, but everything I, I've seen and heard um, seems like he could be a reasonably cheap buy, especially if they get knocked out, um, which is looking more likely. Hopefully that happens. Um, obviously, we there's some competition from Chelsea there, um, but it seems like he could be a good fit both short-term to come in and at least provide a little bit of, of structure in that DM position um obviously maybe not be the the elite level player that we need to win a title but again a good building piece and if you can get it for a cheap price it's something like a mod like we went out and he's a highly rated player and so like we spent some money and we got him to develop him for the future so we don't have to go spend 100 million on him um so that could be an avenue for us but i mean i don't we're not gonna go break the bank on anything like I think that's that's pretty understood at this point. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, the side of the I always look at, it's not even a midfielder, is, is that one that keeps popping up. It's Kieran Trippier, obviously, uh, a player that I really like. Obviously, you know, being from England and watching the World Cup in 2018 and the Euros <clears throat> this year as well, maybe I've got a bit of bias in that because in both those tournaments, he was brilliant whenever he was called upon, especially 2018 World Cup. He was excellent, especially off, you know, set pieces, etc. Um, and he's a player I think would be really good. I think he's very different to Wan-Bissaka and obviously them two would work well. So I'd love to see that get over the line. I think that's one that could. That's probably the most likely <clears throat> for me yeah. looking at it. But um, I'm not, as you say, I'm not sure. We never know with these owners, do we? Who, like, they pick and choose at their moment when they want to splash the cash. And usually there needs to be some sort of commercial avenue for them to, in order to, to spend that money. Looking ahead then to Southampton, obviously on the weekend. We're away at St Mary's, our first away game of the season. Um, you know. It should all be positive sides going into that game, really. But, you know, as I've said on Twitter, it'd be typical United to go and drop points there. Are you optimistic for this game? Are you confident? Do you think, you know, it should be a walk in the park for United? Or do you think that causes problems? Yeah, it should. Like, it really should. Like, Southampton's worse than they were last year. Um, they didn't really invest much. They they got rid of arguably their best player, second best player, however you want to rate Danny Ings. Um, coming off, what, 4-2 defeat, if I remember correctly, for them. Um, I just – I'm optimistic that Jane Sancho is going to start, and I think this is a game where he can just destroy their defense. Um, with what Greenwood's showing, those two playing together, I think they should just have a field day and, and be quite entertaining to watch, um, especially if you throw Pogba and Bruno in that mix, which – you got to assume they're starting as well. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned. I think it's more down to what I'm looking for is the team selection and seeing how Ali integrates the new players. Um, you know, could this be a game for Matic and Donny to get some game time in um, rotate out Fred McTominay? Cause again, we should have a little bit more possession. We should have more territory and not as open of a game. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to is is which avenue is Ali going to go with this team selection? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much because we know he doesn't like to massively rotate, really, does he? He keeps that sort of that spine at the very least. Yeah. Only makes a couple of changes a game. So it'll be interesting, especially midfield actually, because I think as I, as I said, you know, Fred and McTominay, you know, are basically tailor made for that Leeds fixture. <clears throat> it'll be interesting going into Southampton if he decides to change that 
and as you say, Donny and Matic, who played a lot in pre-season, you know, perhaps a little bit surprising. I was that you know that they weren't involved. Well, Matic I think came on, didn't he, uh, against Leeds, but they weren't involved at all, really. Um, which is interesting. Well, it's interesting now if he sort of plays them away at St Mary's. Um, and just, I think it's a perfect opportunity for a full debut for Sancho. And I think if we can get Varane in there, it's a good opportunity for him as well. And I know it would perhaps be unfair to drop Lindelof after Leeds. But I think on paper, it's just a, a nice game for them to have a debut in. I don't know what you think about that, but um, I think it's sort of the perfect opportunity for them to for them to start. Would you start Varane as well? I know you said they sort of started Sancho. What about the, the only thing I don't know about Varane is going to be the communication. And that's, that's really my only concern um, because Lindelof is the, is the main communicator in that back line. Um, for, all, for all his things we want to criticize him on, he does organize the back line. He's the one yelling. He's the one getting people in position. Um, and I think Varane is intelligent enough to do it. Like he, he typically plays that sweeper role, and so he sees the pitch, and he, he can do that. But it's can he communicate? Um, I have a little bit of optimism given the interview he gave. So giving that in English and really pushing himself to do that is great to see. Um, but again, I don't, depends on who's playing um, and languages that they know, like how, how well you can communicate. And that's something that I just don't have information on. Um, if that's not a concern, then yeah, like get Ron in uh, strictly because you want to form a partnership between him and Maguire, especially um, in an understanding. And this is a game where it should be easier to get by if there are mistakes and there's gaps in that communication. Um, I don't think we are as likely to be punished as if we were playing, you know, one of those top four sides where, you know, the smaller mistakes you, you do get punished. So yeah, if, if he if he's good to go, then I have no problem with Veron playing. But if Lindelof starts, like you're not going to see me complaining. Like he came off a great performance. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think you know we've got to give credit where it's due. We've all you know, as I say, we've been very critical of Lindelof, but when he's had a good game, you've got to appreciate that and appreciate that you know he perhaps has earned a right to keep his place at least for the next game on a game by game basis until he has a poor game and then Veron steps in, which could be what happens. I'm not sure how Ollie's going to sort of approach it. Yeah, no, I must as well. Like it could just be a sub appearance where you know you you give Lindelof an hour and then you know let's let's give Ryan thirty minutes to see how he does and integrate him in a little bit slower. Like it's it, theoretically, this is a game where we should be able to play around and um, kind of work on those relationships and patterns and understanding how to play with each other. So, but our the start of the season, our schedule is is fairly favorable there, so yeah. we can't complain too much, and hopefully uh, we can take advantage of that. Absolutely, I would just hope Ollie doesn't do you know the, the Ollie substitution that we saw a couple of times over the past couple of years, which was you know one goal in it and him bringing on Twanzebi for a midfielder, and then you know ended up conceding, which we saw a couple of times. Everton at home screams it to me. I don't know if you remember that three three where sort of Axel came on, just gave away a foul straight away, and then Calvert Lewin scored off it and got the equaliser, which was. A horrible day. We won't talk about that because it's you know PTSD here. But um, yeah, no, I'm pretty confident to be honest with Southampton. I don't want to you know be disrespectful to them or anything like that, or sound like they're just a walkover because you know every Premier League club can cause problems. But we've had some good days at St Mary's over the past years. You know, obviously, last season um, Eddie Cavani's performance uh, was was magnificent. You know, getting the brace there and putting us over the line, and obviously Van Persie all those years ago with a hat trick as well. Um, I remember actually a really frustrating game a couple of seasons ago. I don't know what season exactly it was. They all just seemed to mould into one now, where we drew 1-1 one, one, 
Dan James scored, you know, an excellent goal. It was night. It was at the beginning of twenty nineteen, actually, the twenty nineteen season. I think someone got set, sent off for us. I think, or what? Oh no, one of their players got sent off. Actually, we drew one one. I don't know if you remember that. That was a frustrating game, and hopefully we don't have a repeat of that on Sunday as well. Just quickly before we go, I'll ask you about Cavani because I've just sort of jogged my own memory by mentioning that game last year. It looks like he's going to be back now, and and Solskjaer in the press conference that that he's just sort of had has been very, you know, ameliorative with his language towards Cavani. He's been very positive with with the with the sort of way he's spoken about him. Are you? You know, would you start Eddie Cavani, especially after Florence Greenwood had? No. No? No, not at all. Um, Mason Greenwood is the future. After that performance, you can't drop him. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's especially, like, there's no need to. Like, it's not it's not a game where you wouldn't expect him to play. Like, get Sancho minutes. Like, protect Cavani. Like, let him get – make sure, like, full fitness is there. If you want to bring him on at the end, fine. Uh, but, again, Pogba should be playing. And looked looked very dangerous on that left wing role. Um, I'd keep him there, keep Mason up the middle, let Sancho come in, help create, and really focus on using this game to get Mason more in the box. Like Southampton have some very very physical center backs, so you don't expect them to necessarily win headers. Um, which again, that's going to negate a lot of Cavani's. Like he can he can move, and so I would tend to use Mason anyways in this game and try to get him more in behind um, and, and get in the box in that way and draw these guys out of position. Um, I want a little bit more mobile player for this matchup anyway. So, like, the, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a bigger center back pairing in the league than Southampton. Like, no, I so. think – I do think I agree with you. It's, you know, it's not a bad option to have, is it? If if you want to go late on Cavani coming on, is you know, that's perfect. Especially when he's going to be, you know, filled with energy and able to press people down and, and everything like that. Um, I, th- I think I'm inclined to agree with you actually. Even being, you know, a very biased sort of Cavani enthusiast, um, I'd probably I'd probably say the same. And then um, I don't know. Looking past that, I'm not sure. We'll see how Greenwood gets on against Southampton, etc. And then for Wolves the week after. Uh, we'll see. Ryan, before we go, I'll get your score prediction. Obviously, you were a little bit out last week. I think I was. I think I went three one, didn't I? So I was two yeah. goals out. Um, and you went. You went with a two two draw, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so a little bit out, but you know there was goals, so you're right in that sense. Um, what's your prediction for Southampton? We'll go three zero today for this week. Okay. I'll be a little bit more uh, aggressive in my prediction. <laughs> okay, nice. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go 2-1 United, I think. I think we get it over the line. I think maybe we go 2-0 up and then they get a goal back and maybe we just sort of cling on. That's my, that's my sort of prediction. Pretty baseless, to be honest. It's very hard to do predictions, isn't it? Anything can happen, but um, there you go. Ryan, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks for coming on and we'll be back again next week for another episode. All right.